aren't people having fun doing their work? If not, then... I think a lot of people aren't having fun doing their work. That's a problem. I suppose, but it, it I think it is kind of a fact that yeah. most people don't... I mean, some people probably do love their jobs a lot, but some people... A lot of people don't like their jobs at all. I think it's definitely an area where you can use it to fix specific aspects of their jobs that are becoming problems. I mean, you and I both struggle with uh, something like Salesforce, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And logging that out. Um, If that was a little bit easier, a little bit more fun. If it was like Math Blasters? If it was like Math Blasters. If only it could be like Math Blasters. Uh, that last stage of super muncher. Um, okay, <laughs> the new proposal. Well, you mixed up math blasters and number munchers. For oh, no, one. I'm, I'm using super muncher now. Uh, um, anyways, <laughs> new proposal, Jersey Fagan, make Salesforce logging like math blasters. Math blasters. <laughs> if you don't know what math blasters is, look it up and yeah. then make Salesforce yeah, logging. Spend like a few that. hours on it and then <laughs> make See if you can beat the game. <laughs> and then make That's cheaper for McDonald's, but it's also the argument is millennials don't want to deal with a person, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of it's in the same thing as like in systems like we're talking about, like um, the time logging system that we use in Salesforce.com or um, or other customer service systems or doing scheduling or things that are kind of administrative for us like those are things that used to be done by like an administrative assistant um and now they're done by a program Mm. um and the theory is that right now we live in a time where younger people don't want to deal with a person uh they don't like dealing with a person but older people typically do like um the credit card i have by chase advertises you get to talk to a person when you right. call the line, you get to talk to a person and it's true. I call the line and a person answers. I don't have to go through a phone tree at all, which I guess is kind of nice, but it's also kind of daunting. Cause like, I think we've sort of been taught by the world right now that it's not fun to talk to people because I think it's we're, sort of where yeah. it becomes an issue was, is, is the task simple enough that I can do without talking to a person and then be is potentially talking to a person going to lead into some other mm-hmm. conversation that I don't want to engage in. Um, and I think that's probably more of the, 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 the bigger concern that's there. When I'm talking to Comcast, mm-hmm. I want to shut off my cable bill. Um, I do not want to be upsold on you know what else I could be actually see, watching. The thing I the thing I struggle with is I don't I feel like I don't know how you're supposed to act when you're dealing with a person. Like, I feel like when I call, like, I had to call my insurance agent last week. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to this person. So they're going to think I'm dumb. 
But if I'm dealing with a machine, if I can fill out a form online, the machine knows exactly what I'm supposed to fill out. So I just type in the things. And even if I don't know what to say, it's a machine. It doesn't care. It's not going to judge me. But, but isn't that just bad customer service then? Well, I think that's why, at least, I don't know if it's the same for everyone it is for me, but I, I feel like that's why millennials don't want to talk to a person is because they've been trained that talking to people sucks um, because the customer service that we've built in, in like large organizations is really bad phone. Um, and, and so they would rather just deal with a system. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it sounds like it's not the same for you. So maybe, well, I, I think, it's, it's two different ways. One, if I know I can get a direct answer, um, by all means. I'm generally pretty thankful when I talk to somebody and I'm able to get the answer straight out from them. Mm-hmm. Um, the challenge is, is that it does still run through my mind, right? A, does this person know what I'm talking about? And then B, uh, am I going to be dragged into something I don't want to be engaged in, right? Um, and, and that can be a problem. Um, but at the same time, I think it, it comes into just this whole idea of what the, the basic task actually is, right? And is it technically more favorable if we can do it without involving anybody except yep. for, of course, the participant? Or is it just something that is um, – or is it something that's worthwhile to have a discussion on, right? We talked, we started the conversation on uh, choosing a place to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to talk to, to somebody about that. I mean, even if... Uh, but I mean, I, I don't think you do. Like, because why, like Yelp is so popular because instead of calling a concierge or asking a friend, people find value in looking at a program where a bunch of people have rated different places. I think it's polling um, that's different than getting advice, right? So advice is typically fed through one person. Polling, typically you get uh, a lot of different perspectives Mm. all at once. Um, But the funny part around that is I think that at the end of the day, most situations, people are still talking their way through Yelp and that they're only using Yelp as a resource beyond that. What do you want to eat? where you want to go, how far you want to actually travel. You're, you're, you're making all these decisions uh, up front where mm-hmm. technically a concierge could technically be helpful in these incidents. So I think we're talking about so an issue that um, is of interest to me a lot in the world. And I, I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but I think I'm constantly troubled by the concept of protocol and procedure. Um, in a in an age where technology is very prevalent in our lives, and the, most of the ways we interview interface with people is through technology, um, it seems like we don't get proper training on protocol and procedure. And speaking of protocol and procedure, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I did it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I got there. I got Today's that. episode is about implementing Tableau. So um, I find that more and more when I visit customers and I have conversations with them, they are interested in the protocol and procedure around implementing Tableau. Uh, How are we supposed to do this? What have other customers done? Mm -hmm. What are the steps we're supposed to take? 
towards successfully implementing a software like Tableau. Um, And uh, sometimes they ask for a document. Sometimes they ask for advice. Sometimes they ask for stories. But the general interest that I find coming up more and more is that people want a replicable procedure for implementing analytics. Um, and I think there's, it's debatable whether that is appropriate for mm-hmm. analytics, but it is definitely appropriate for software, right? right? Uh, so just the pure technical side of installing and, and appropriating yeah. software, it makes sense that you need a set of steps to follow so you can do it in the right way. We've been familiarized with plug-and-play software for, what, the last 10, 15 years mm-hmm. now. And so um, why can't every aspect of it uh, mm-hmm. end up being plug-and-play, right? And it's becoming just a requirement in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a briefing that Dan Jewett was doing, uh, I think it was like last year, it was a while ago. But he was talking about the kids that are growing up today, they learn new software all the time. They find it in the app store and they install it and they use it and they learn it and they start using it immediately. Right. And that's going to be, that's just becoming more and more a requirement of software, mm-hmm. both consumer and business software right. because of the fact that that's how people are trained to do things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely appropriate that there is a technical implementation strategy with Tableau. Uh, whether or not there is a strategy for analytics, we've kind of talked about the philosophies behind that before. Um, I think they kind of get ingrained together with Tableau because when someone wants to install a bunch of Tableau, they're also asking about how we're going to get people to use it. Right. And that's more of a philosophical topic. The ROI conversation that typically comes up from there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, you know, one of the things that always kind of comes to mind is specifically thinking about implementation is just the different scopes of implementation that we run across, right? I mean, no one deployment is alike. And so why don't we kind of dive a little bit into that and Mm -hmm. talk about basically what we typically do see um, and just the the ways that it can vary across the board. So to start with, um, let's talk about how people tend to implement Tableau. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's it tends to be our business model is actually based around this right. uh, the the fact that people tend to implement tableau in stages of growth uh, starting with maybe just a single copy of the software and growing to a larger implementation and we've mm-hmm. kind of broken that out into four stages mm-hmm. so stage one is one person gets some software right. uh, they it's very easy to download from our website and install and start running, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it comes with all the pieces you need to connect to data and start using. Uh, you don't need someone to help you. Yep. Um, from there, uh, that's stage one. Stage yep. two is a small group of people. Yep. So again, this is kind of how our business model is built. We call it land and expand. Um, the next stage is Okay, one person has had some success, so some people start to notice it, and they say, okay, well, why don't we give it to five people? Mm -hmm. Um, And they're either all in the same group, or maybe they're analysts in different groups, but it starts kind of proliferating because of the success it naturally has. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stage three is a department. Mm -hmm. And the way I define a department is 
you might define it organizationally in a, in a business as a business unit or something, but it's tens of people. It might be 20 people. It might be 50 people. It might right. be 100 people. If it's more than 100 people, it's more of kind of the organization-wide deployment that we talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a group of people all kind of working on a shared purpose, and it's usually in the tens. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, this is probably where Tableau Server starts becoming involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also where some kind of organizational rules around how to manage software start mm-hmm. becoming involved. And then the fourth stage is organization-wide. And that can be anything from an entire department of 200 people to an entire company of right. thousands of people. I find it interesting that you mentioned, you know, entire department of 200 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some of my use cases that I typically deal with on a commercial side, that might be the company overall. But it is really at that scale that we start to see some new challenges kind of come in. Um, but these are sort of the different entry points. And, and regardless of sort of where we kind of come from, we typically do see sort of a growth of moving through the different stages at some point within mm-hmm. the life cycle. Um, and of course... You know, people do, you know, especially with the name recognition that Tableau has now, uh, they are coming in at these different stages and really expecting a, a solid uh, and consistent playbook that they can start with that will allow for them to move from whatever stage they came in from to ultimately that fourth stage that's there. Yep. Um, and it's it's interesting, I guess, that with that expectation in mind that we were getting all these different um, opinions that are coming in. Yeah, and, and it doesn't have to be linear. Sometimes a company starts in stage three. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they jump right from stage one to stage three. Yeah. Um, it, they usually don't go organization-wide right yeah. from the beginning, uh, but that's kind of part of this discussion is, yeah. is where does Tableau usually successful and where is it not? Um, so we kind of talked about this beforehand. As you go down those stages, I think we mm-hmm. generally have had less success. So yep. the, the first couple stages, I think we're, we almost are always successful, mm-hmm. right? Um, if it's one people or five or 10 people just installing Tableau and starting, start, starting to use it, mm-hmm. um, they're almost always pretty successful and pretty happy because it's very easy to use. Right. It's very easy to install. Um, they might need some training. They might need some coaching, but it's pretty minimal and they can get spun up and, and start working pretty fast. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that. Right. Um, where we start seeing customers have challenges is in those stages three and four. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's probably not specific to Tableau. It's probably specific to all technologies, but it's especially noticeable in Tableau because we're so easy to use in those smaller groups. Yeah, I, I think that's the the key point to kind of drive home, right? We do work with some of the smaller groups. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one of the big things that I think some of the other technologies out there, they're just designed for three and four. And so mm-hmm. with that in mind, they might actually be um, very catering towards some of those stages or because that ends up being the only conversation that comes up. For us, it's really about understanding that progression from one through four. And then of course, you know, with that, just trying to repeat that effort over and over mm-hmm. again as we kind of move through. The one point I do want to highlight with all of this is, you know, this isn't just a complexity of where starting points really work from. This is complexity of also, of course, uh, well, you have to layer in just a variety of industries that we work with and then also the complexity of the audience that they actually want to deal with. And all of a sudden, this really ends up being a uh, 
more three-dimensional problem that we have to actually work through um, as we kind of think through it. But at the end of the day, there is some consistency that we see from uh, the size of the community mm -hmm. and what they typically would expect in terms of managing software overall. Yep. Uh, Christian wrote an article uh, a couple of years ago, I think, about our core, core cultural values at a as the company. Mm -hmm. And one of them is we keep it simple. And mm -hmm. some of the things he listed in that article were there's no minimum purchase. Mm -hmm. uh, we have free online videos for training. Uh, our price list is short. Mm -hmm. uh, we give away free trials. Uh, the uh, documentation is in screenshots and movies and simple language rather than long, uh, complicated prose, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's about implementation as well. Because the idea is, uh, like you said, you get started, uh, a single person gets started very easily, and it should scale. Mm -hmm. um, so let's talk a little bit about that plan with kind of the um, the assumption that those those third and fourth stages are kind of the challenges for any organization. Um, what are some What are some of those challenges? Why is that tougher? Um, so we're starting to see this a lot more often. Uh, you know, I think last week we talked about sort of the OEM side of the house as well. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but people are deploying in larger groups overall just because there's a little bit more faith kind of put behind the Tableau name. Um, and there are typically some challenges with that because without understanding sort of how an individual uses it or how a small group is able to attain success, you're not going to have necessarily the, the biggest faith behind how to deploy it, maybe even across different segments or in a way that's a little bit more, you know, a standard quote unquote across the, the company that's there. The, the biggest challenge I think is really just understanding really the, the core value problem at the end of the day, right? Um, that one individual is able to start working with uh, data alone and they're able to turn out something that works well, that scales well. And of course, as you kind of play larger numbers, the probability does go up. But mm -hmm. the, the way you have to think about it now is around probability as opposed to, of course, um, team staffing necessarily, I think. Okay, so you're you're an organization. You've got, mm -hmm. you've got those 10 people that are good at, Tableau and they all kind of buy in right. on the on the product and the methodology and you decide to take it to a hundred person team yeah. um, you're anticipating that the challenge is going to come from people who don't really know anything about it um, it's going to come from people who are maybe tasked with installing technology and managing implementation that mm -hmm. aren't those Tableau experts right and the other side of it, too, is also, of course, the conversation with the team builders, right? How do you build a team around something that is designed around an individual? And so there's a little bit of confusion around that in terms of where, what type of specialists they actually look for. Um, and with that, when you have a software that does tout sort of simplicity and that anybody can use it, mm -hmm. um, well, are there other roles that really exist to support this type of technology or is it just one unanimous unit kind of replicated across? And we've talked before about how having a Tableau specialist that can speak the language of both business units and IT helps a lot with this. Mm -hmm. So what are some things that we do as a company to 
help with this process. Because if you're just going to mm-hmm. throw Tableau at an organization and say, hey, technologists, go install this for hundreds right. of people, it sounds like it's just going to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, I think that's where the, 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 the roles that you and I play end up being really important, right? We do a lot of the coaching that gets involved, a lot of the implementation discussions that do get involved. Um, and that's really important to how, not just how a company thinks about sort of the, the valuation of a product, but ultimately how successful they are in thinking about things um, as they move from an evaluation state into something more implementation-based that's there. Okay, so it's partly about evangelism and sharing the philosophies, and it's partly about, I'm just trying to summarize what you said, it's partly also about um, transitioning from kind of that Mm -hmm. evaluation period to actually in practice, uh, in production, um, without a big jump, kind of giving them all the tools they need to use it and then... So, so I see our roles being a little bit more sort of, uh, well, general coaching that does occur uh, across the board, right? Now, beyond that, we have services, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so having played a role in that organization, it's a lot more hands-on. It's a lot about basically just kind of getting things up and running and dealing with the specifics while being on the ground that's there. And so developing a strong services organization and services partner um, or, well, network Mm-hmm. ends up being important that's there as well. Um, and then the third thing really just to you know develop it through is really that whole channel business that we have, right? Mm-hmm. So across the board, you know, there's there's a lot of of Tableau staff that are being dedicated to that, along with things like training and things like that across the board. But the the final thing I'll highlight is really just our um, the documentation project that we we set out to do, I think starting two years ago. Um, which is the Tableau Drive methodology. Okay. So tell me more about that. So that's our methodology for mm-hmm. building out Tableau implementations, making successful implementations. What is it? What, what is the methodology? So, so Drive methodology is really just the idea of how do we implement successfully. It's taking basically those concepts that we learn really within the smaller groups and where people have found really good success within Tableau um, and making sure that as we start to scale it out, that people are able to take the lessons from it. Um, so, so it's taking those smaller group lessons that you might learn in stage one or one and two, mm-hmm. and applying it at scale. Right. Um, so the the simple ideas of, for example, making sure that we are uh, developing it with basically a conversation in mind, mm-hmm. involving the groups that are there, always reevaluating, of course, uh, the the business requirements as well as the technical. Well, what's the technical expectations um, that we can provide back? Um, that ends up being something that ends up being lost, it seems like, at certain stages. But in reality, I think we, we see that happening in smaller groups and want to see that same thing happening at yep. a larger scale. And it, it's been successful with some folks that's there. So what are some, what are some ways where that is successful? Do you have some examples or, uh, or ways it has been successful at some of the companies you've worked with? Sure. Um, I, I think one of the big things that we have to kind of keep in mind is that as we start to grow in the organizations that we work with, um, and of course with the organizations that the size that they typically involve, um, there's a lot of specialization that goes into you know how how they hire, how they train for their roles, the responsibility laid out that's there. 
Um, you know, so the ways that I've seen sort of drive really been, been successful is really just fostering some of that conversation to occur. Uh, and that's both occurred from a pre-sales perspective as well as a post-sales perspective. Uh, in my mind, um, this is a story, at least from my post-sales days, it's really just um, one of the big things is really identifying what roles each of the groups really ought to be doing so that they understand that it's still a group effort, but there are some specialization that they can undertake to really contribute to uh, the overall mix that's there. And it allows for folks to kind of get out of each other's way without stepping on each other's feet in the process. Okay, so decode that for me a little sure. bit. So there's different, you talked about specialization and what the appropriate role for different people are. Sure. What, how does that, can you map that out in terms of what like a successful Tableau deployment would be and where each of those roles fall? So there's a few ways that we can kind of think about sort of Tableau roles. Um, in general, it does, um, and I can't stress this enough, uh, the Tableau sort of specialist um, ends up being a pretty pivotal role. When we start to think about how implementations really work out. Um, this is the guy who's building the viz, connecting the data, uh, working with that desktop in order to really kind of churn out something that's worthwhile in order to deliver, right? Without this person, you're not going very far in general that's there. Okay, so we're we're taking our Tableau implementation mm -hmm. from our stage two to stage three. Right. And we've got a Tableau specialist and he knows the software really well. Yeah. Um, and his job is, so I think that, the implementation exercise is how do we get Tableau in the hands of more people? Right. And so what is this guy actually doing? So there's a few things that, that do take place, right? The, this guy is connecting the data. He is working with data in a relatively quarantine way, meaning mm -hmm. that he can't really disrupt the data environment and he's got the right safeguards to work through some of the information that's there. But he's able to basically churn out a deliverable through... Uh, that process of being pointed to a data source, okay. working with Tableau Desktop, and getting some results that's there. Okay. Uh, but that, of course, isn't the the you know entire community, right? I mean, especially when we start to think about a larger group, we start the questions of, well, how do we get it into the hands of everybody else? Uh, how do, who supports that platform? Um, and then, of course, uh, there are always questions about who checks the work that gets involved, right? So, okay, so there's a there's a Tableau expert, and this person is connecting the data. They're mm -hmm. analyzing data. They're sharing it with others. Who else is in? Who else is part of that picture? Sure. So let me at least. So who else is involved in that picture is typically at least two more people in my mind. There's at least one side that focuses very much on the technology itself. So how do we actually maintain the platform so that when that developer is ready to publish up into an environment, he's ready to say, okay, I am ready to go from one person mm -hmm. to the rest of my community, be it 30, 60, 90 individuals that's there, that it is painless. Uh, a couple of clicks, maybe an, an extra process involved in there, but it's a general conversation that can be taking place and the technology itself will not fail in that process. Okay, so this technologist is in charge of, is more specialized in technology than the Tableau expert, is yep. what you're saying. And they're in charge of making sure the technology works for a, a larger scale of people. And more importantly, it's the technology of the platform overall, right? Okay. Um, the desktop, the thick client, it's, it's gonna be there, it's gonna be fine for mm -hmm. the most part. Now, where I also see sort of a the other role that takes place, and really, I guess now that I think, think about it, there's maybe uh, one more role that takes place there as well, 
is a you got to make sure of course that while you're building all this type of stuff out uh that there's strong communication with both your both your business users as well as of course uh how this ultimately gets out to the hands of your end users that's there okay um so you can't just expect to put something on a bulletin board and expect it to be seen there are issues around making sure that deliverable is sold uh that people are actually using it that there is uh a measured results that come in from there mm -hmm. so in thinking about basically all of that there is definitely sort of a more businessy aspect uh around sort of this role beyond just building it out um there's sort of the, the whole communication as well as uh, evangelism that takes place. So this businessy aspect, is that also the Tableau expert's job or is that someone else's job? So I do think that in earlier stages, we find that happening with the same person, right? Okay. A lot of these types of roles end up being more singular, but as you deal with a larger and larger community, it becomes a more um, full-time job for the person okay. to deal with, right? So I'm drawing out a diagram, and there's the Tableau expert, and he's a stick figure. Okay. And there's a technologist, and he's a stick figure, but he's wearing glasses because he's a technologist. Mm. And then there's this businessy person, and this is either the Tableau expert or maybe the Tableau expert undergoes some sort of mitosis and morphs into a second person. Mm. So that you're saying that sometimes this business person might be – there might be a business sponsor that right. isn't a Tableau expert, but they kind of – are a more strategic person who kind of has the value of analytics for the organization in mind. Exactly. Okay, so that might be sort of an overlap with the Tableau expert, but it doesn't yep. necessarily have to be the same person. And then in the same way, the overlap with the technologist is really around sort of the data itself, right? Um, okay, the so there's a data steward of some kind. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. So does he wear glasses? He probably wears like a hat. There's a glasses and a hat. Oh, glasses and hat. Okay, I don't mm, know if I can draw maybe that Maybe a well. mustache. Okay, he's going to have glasses and, and he's going to be wearing a wizard hat. <laughs> it's either a wizard hat or a party hat. I'm, I'm you just can't really tell. Trying I'll, to make more I'll put this picture online. Don't okay. worry. If you're listening to the podcast, don't worry. You can see my amazing art. Um, um, so I, I see okay. some of the, the growth kind of happening there. But you, you do definitely see some of the overlap and some of these folks playing multiple ro roles mm -hmm. um, within the organization. But especially when you start to think about a large community, some of the data sets that we're dealing with are simply more sensitive. So of course there's some more stress that comes into, of course, managing the data and the flow of data, make sure that it's consistent. Uh, the platform, the whole server aspect itself, does definitely end up being something of a question that's there. It's relatively lightweight to really manage, but um, there's still, of course, the question of who adds user, how do we deal with things like that, mm -hmm. who, you know, what happens when things go, goes down. Okay. Um, and of course, uh, you know, from the business end, right, uh, you're dealing with more and more people who are interfacing with the product. And so the sensitivity of the, the entire system and making sure that we're responsive from a human level ends up being somewhat important, right? Okay. So to summarize, we've got our Tableau implementation that in stage two was just a group of Tableau experts. Mm -hmm. And then in stage three has, or maybe stage four, mm -hmm. uh, has a technologist and a data steward. And they may or may not be different people, but they're people that know the technology well enough to maintain kind of those underpinnings for Tableau. Right. Uh, and then there's a business sponsor mm -hmm. that can kind of sell the value of this to other people. Right. 
Um, and that, again, that could be the Tableau expert, but sometimes it's not someone who has a real rich understanding of Tableau as a technology. So let's do this for fun. In a traditional sort of more traditional BI reporting role, though, mm -hmm. how many different roles do you see in, in that process? Um, well, I mean, I think there's at least one more because you still have technologists and data mm -hmm. stewards, but then you have the software expert, mm -hmm. right? And he's probably not overlapping with the business person. I would argue that there's also, you have to involve a QA department because of, of course, how things typically have to be managed, especially when okay. data is proliferated outside so the environment. So there's another technology team called QA, right. and there's maybe another technology team called just BI platform, yeah. right? That's the software itself. Mm -hmm. And then there's, I guess, I don't know, there's probably some other ones as well. I guess the other one that exists, and I, I'd like to ask you about kind of the... I think this kind of falls in the business side, but it's the um, like business specifications or requirements, mm. right? And I think that probably exists in both the traditional BI and I the Tableau. It, I think it's separated out though with yeah. Uh, so traditional with traditional BI. BI, that's what I was going to say. Is with traditional BI, I think the business requirements person is a person that's completely different. Yep. And with our Tableau methodology, it's probably overlapping with the Tableau expert and the business sponsor because those people can use the technology and also develop the requirements. I'll also highlight one more thing that ends up being important. With the technologist, uh, you have to think about new platforms now. So a lot of other technologies out there in the world really kind of have that other sort of other strategy uh, that comes into how they think about sort of the, the mobile platform or, or releasing to that. It could definitely be a full replication of everybody that we've talked about so far because mm -hmm. it's a completely new project. Or uh, to the minimum, it's at least one person who is dedicating themselves to a uh, mobile strategy and dealing with the technology platform on that front there as well. So it gets complex quickly. And I think when people think about the world in that complexity as opposed to even just four roles it can end up being a little daunting or it seems a li little uh scary to to be understaffed when trying to approach something so big okay yeah and i, I think that is a challenge of specialization i think we've talked about this before um the idea of having different people that have different specializations and don't really have visibility into cross-functional groups makes it difficult to do anything, makes it difficult to implement any sort of software because it increases the amount of time mm -hmm. uh, toward kind of achieving a, a goal. And it puts a lot of dependence on successful communication between different groups, uh, even when groups don't really speak the same language. Um, but with, with our methodology that we're describing here, um, I think we can kind of limit that to the technology group, the Tableau expertise, and the business expertise. And there's some overlap there, uh, but those are, I think, the three kind of categories we're yeah. looking at. Um, so it, if you want to call this something, I think we can call it our drive methodology. It's pretty close to what we put in that document. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing about that drive methodology, and this is something you were saying to me before, is that some companies just arrive at this methodology on their own. They don't have to get our document to do it. They just they see where the success came in stage two, 
and they say, okay, well, what we really need is to take that expertise and, and use that to motivate growth right. uh, rather than start with all of the technology rules that exist in our organization. Um, that's really what drive is for. Yeah, no, I, I think where we see a lot of success even with drive is when folks come to that conclusion naturally just by the way that they grow within their organization. So there's definitely organizations where they, you know, the, the way that they've seen Tableau work within their team of 10, mm -hmm. they know that when they grow to 30 or even 60, that things really don't change. They just have to make sure that the same types of conversation need to exist. Um, and they don't need to overcomplicate the situation simply because other technologies out there will require this as a means of how they develop. Okay. So I'm going to call this an approach to um, implementing Tableau at scale. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the advantages to this approach? Um, so the approach, I think, is really around really understanding and really centralizing sort of this idea of who is involved with a project, uh, who's responsible, and who understands the conversation uh, moving forward there. Um, and so the, the biggest challenge I see with a lot of individual groups being separated out, what we normally really refer to as more of a waterfall operation uh, or development process of uh, developing for Tableau, is you start to see people who are simply disinterested or um, unaware of all the intricacies that come in with how people might use Tableau as a software, how people are interacting with the dashboards. Um, what might be possible that's there when everything ends up getting centralized where the person who understands who's building out the reports understands the, the business that's at, uh, that they're talking to, um, the software that they're working with, as well as the capabilities of the platform itself, um, you're just much more streamlined overall as opposed mm -hmm. to trying to work through the stream to figure out right. what's going so, on. So it makes them think about things from the perspective of how do they best use Tableau mm -hmm. rather than how do they fit Tableau into a pre-existing right. framework. The other idea, though, I'll also highlight is that the, the benefit to the business is obviously it's a lot easier to track responsibilities of where projects are really at, right? Mm -hmm. There's a couple of people involved, or of course, there's yeah. a set number of folks uh, who are involved at each stage that's there. So you're not mining through who, you know, the entire team in order to figure out where things are tripped up at or where things are yeah. lost. There's a lot less what I typically kind of think of as groupthink when it comes down to making decisions and um, determining, well, responsibility and judgment, right, overall, the, the overall project that's there. And mm -hmm. to the end users or even the developers that's there, there's a lot more, I think, um, enjoyment just from the whole critical thinking aspect well, to it. Well, it kind of naturally combats the groupthink and the responsibility issues because the responsibility naturally goes to the Tableau experts. Mm -hmm. It kind of puts the responsibility of success in the hands of people that understand Tableau. Mm -hmm. And it also, uh, and that, that works for a couple of reasons. One, those are probably just the best people to know how things should be organized mm -hmm. and they can kind of pull in technical expertise when they need it. Mm -hmm. But it also just puts it in the hand of people that are likely to care about Tableau's success. Mm -hmm. um, so that I think it's, it's the right people to have drive a project like that. Sorry for the pun. Um, the, um, the, 
the thing that I, I was thinking as you were saying that was, I think we have to reach a level of maturity as a company mm-hmm. where we can unapologetically uh, motivate our customers to find solutions to problems rather than um, apologize for when we don't have a solution to a problem. Uh, the The example I'm thinking of is like last week's episode when we were talking to, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, when we were talking to Andrew mm-hmm. and he was talking about how there's all these technologies technologists at the companies he works with in the Bay Area who they understand that Tableau is going to be difficult in some aspects, mm-hmm. but they're not tasked with, oh, it's difficult, so we're not going to use it. They're tasked with, okay, how do I make it work, right? right. I don't care how difficult it is. We're going to use it because I get this the benefit from uh, ease of use and from uh, doing ad hoc analysis and because it's faster. So I just have to figure out how to make this aspect work. And I right. think from from some perspective, it's our own design that we struggle with some of these things because we assume it's going to be a problem for our customers. But if we assume that the technologists are there to make it work, not to tell us whether or not we're viable, then we can just jump through some of these things and actually just get to the conversation around what they're going to need to do. I think that's, uh, I think that's a a sales maturity and a technical maturity that we're getting to as a company right now. It's also just a brand education issue i think that's out there Mm -hmm. there's enough people who still call in and ask about you know automated exports of pdfs and things like that and what we can do but obviously of course it's uh yeah you're right the world is moving in a direction where some of the things that maybe five years ago that we just don't really do aren't as important yeah the the conversations need to evolve a little bit and part of it uh, part of that evolution is for us to also just be very um, aware of basically what our technology actually does and how it's going to impact everybody else that's there. Okay, so um, okay, so th- those are the I guess those are sort of the benefits of that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, let's take a break. Um, yeah. Let's uh, let's take a short intermission and let's have another Moscow Mule. And then let's uh, let's come back and talk about maybe some of the challenges of that approach, and then also some of the uh, kind of ongoing challenge points of implementing at scale with Tableau. That's fair. Okay. That's a mojito. <laughs> All right. Well, now you guys know what Wilson's drinking. He's drinking a vodka tonic. Just kidding. It's a mojito. So we switched drinks a little bit during break, uh, or at least I did. Uh, went over to uh, mojito despite the season. Um, had some mint and some lime, and we started the Leblon uh, rum. Leblon James. Leblon James. Uh, yeah, no, I I think we're both having kind of summer drinks. I'm having a Moscow Mule in a copper mug, and Wilson's having mojito in a tall glass. Is, is that a summer drink? I always because I think, ginger typically for me is, is it's a fall. I think drink. any julep style drink served like this in a metal cup with crushed ice is sort mm-hmm. of a summer drink because I think the reason it's served in a cup like this is so it stays cold in your hand. Yeah. Um, the ginger flavor is I think can apply to many a season. Okay, that's fair. But we've nicely garnished these drinks with mint sprigs. This is a very bougie cocktail hour for us. 
was what did we drink last week? With Andrew, we drank. Um, um, I know it evolved Americanos. into Americanos, and it evolved into the Scotch drinking. Uh, yeah, for a bit. Um, I actually had some pretty good drinks actually with Franz uh, the other day. Uh, some smoked cocktails actually. Mm. Um, so. We'll probably try to give that a shot a uh, couple of weeks, I guess, when I get my own kit for it. But um... Okay, let me quickly make our traditional Instagram post. <laughs> this a little bit. Mm. Oh, these are good drinks. I'm pretty happy. I know you don't like the, the cane. I don't syrup. really like that the, for, for LeBlanc, rum but that it much. It works actually really well with this mojito. I, I'm a fan. I think I'm going to use the Clarendon filter for those of you following around with my filter choice. Mm. Uh, that's actually, a, I, I've heard from our many followers that the uh, Instagram filter I use is being discussed and debated and charted among uh, all of our loyal <laughs> fans. Um, I don't know if you knew about that, but it's, it's a pretty popular topic. Um, this one is going to be, so I'm going to write the name of the cocktails, a Moscow Mule, a Minuscule is what I accidentally wrote, a Moscow Mule. And a Mojito on what has become a very bougie Tableau on Tableau podcast. That being said, loving this crushed ice. The crushed ice is really good. It has made both drinks better. Um, I'm pretty happy that you you, through, your, through your influence, I purchased... Uh, well, I knew that you had one is the reason I got it. So ah. I was like, I oh. didn't know that that existed. I didn't know that. Oh, the ice mallet thing? Yeah. Mm. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know I how you crushed ice. I didn't know. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought. And I'll tag myself as the Moscow Mule, and I'll tag you as the Mojito. Okay, we did it. We did it. I'm also going to post it. Should I also post it to Facebook? Yeah. Why not, right? It's a good photo. Sweet. We did it. Good job, everybody. Okay. So, Wilson, we've refilled our drinks. Mm -hmm. We've had a short intermission. Now it's time. It's time is officially appropriate for us to jump back into our topic mm. of implementing Tableau. And we're talking about the four stages of implementation from one person to a small group of people to a department or tens of people to an entire organization. And we we're talking about this drive methodology that Tableau offers. And the drive methodology um, is uh, effective in a lot of situations. It's mostly effective because I think it brings our philosophy to the process of implementing Tableau. Um, and we talked about some reasons that's successful. Uh, I've started taking the following approach. I was telling you this before we started recording. I've started taking the following approach when a customer asks me a question about implementing Tableau in a specific way. Mm -hmm. Usually the questions I'm getting around things like automation. Mm -hmm. So a customer sent me a question about uh, templates. 
Uh, and we've talked about templates before. Um, I think they sort of go against the Tableau philosophy because if you're, if you're building a visual template and then you're applying different data to it, you're not really doing the exploration. Um, but some people want to do it. So I've started taking the following approach with questions like that. First, you probably shouldn't do this, and it's not really the Tableau way, and there's not a Tableau prescribed way of doing it. My, I, I like to use that language. There's not a Tableau prescribed way. Mm-hmm. Here's how you do it, right? Um, because I, I think it's um, I think it's important to share both of those perspectives, and I think giving them instructions on how to do it while also telling them not really the way we would recommend doing it um, makes them think about it from the Tableau perspective, even though their their inclination is not to. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying that out with some customers that are asking, and I'll see how it goes. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've done both the push really hard against the requirement uh, tact and the, okay, yeah, here's how you do it without any pushback before. Right. And it kind of depends on the situation you know, whether it works or doesn't work or whether it leads to our being successful there. But I think that kind of hybrid approach is important. And I think that's kind of where the drive methodology fits. Um, it, it kind of acknowledges that practices and methodologies have to be put in place at an enterprise level, but still tries to do it a tablet way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's now talk about some of the places where that methodology is not as successful. Right. Um, can can you think of some reasons why this might not be as successful at an organization? Well, I think it's all about uh, the ability to kind of adapt the ideas of Drive into how the the current business process goes. There's it's not a play by play playbook, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the big problems with sometimes how we communicate across, or of course the the way that we kind of brush. Uh, the questions off onto the documentation there, right? Um, yeah, what we have been describing for the last half hour or so has been not a plug and play, follow these steps and you'll have a successful Tableau hmm? implementation. It's a description of general guidelines and philosophies right. to implement Tableau. Um, is it a weakness then that we describe this as a methodology? No, um, because I don't think success is really measured, especially when it comes down to a whole BI strategy. It's not measured as a binary that's there. It's not that you're successful or you're not. It's not that you'll get ROI or have negative ROI. It's a, it's a spectrum, right? There are going to be organizations that will be able to adapt this better, and they will be able to be uh, – it'll be a lot less painless uh, moving through some of the different sort of implementation challenges that come through. Um, if they're able to actually critically think about what they're doing and what they want to actually achieve. Okay. Um, uh, the other, the flip side of it is that if you do work with this as a playbook, um, I think it's going to be difficult for you. Uh, you know, it's, it's not that there's, there, it, there is a set sort of rule around this where, you know, even though we described that there's three different roles, uh, for Tableau, uh, a little bit earlier on, it's not that there's you can only have three and if you have more than three you're going to fail or less than three you're going to fail you're just going to need to think about if you have more people involved 
what their roles really are and how they pertain to maybe, of course, some of those different aspects of the roles that were described. Yep. Um, so it's not specific, and that I think is a challenge, but also by design. It is. Um, but it does produce a number of headaches and heartaches, I guess, for, mm -hmm. for organizations overall, right? I mean, this is definitely something that I don't think we can simply say, hey, it's something just work through it. Um, you know, drive itself is a little bit, there, there is a little bit of controversy around it because while we're now saying that our software has a method to deploy as opposed to yeah. something that can be just developed ground up or can be molded into any model that exists out there. I think that is a weakness. You know, I think that is sort of the fact that we describe it as a methodology. I think that's sort of a problem with branding. Uh, the way we've tried to kind of sell this to companies is mm -hmm. when they ask us how to implement Tableau, we say, oh, we got this great methodology. You just got to follow that. And that's even kind of how the document online is sold and, mm -hmm. and marketed. And I just think that's not quite right because I don't, I, I think it defies expectations of companies that want a step-by-step -step guide. I think we right. should be more prescriptive with them saying you either need to follow a set of steps or you need to hire someone to do it for you if they, if they want that sort of uh, mm -hmm. handholding. And, um, and the fact that we use terms like, it's an agile methodology in the documentation. Like I, it's a small thing, but I think it actually does matter because it's a branding thing where that matches up with an expectation that a company IT department will have around the practices that align with agile methodology. But then when it's actually comes to implement something, it doesn't really line up with that in a hundred percent. So, um, yeah, I think it's good and I think it's important and I think we should, we should follow it. Um, procedurally, especially with kind of the cooperation between roles that we described. Right. Um, but I, I don't think it's a true methodology and I think it's a flaw to describe it as such, at least in what I've it's, seen it's, so it's, far. It's, fair. it's, it's more of the, just the guiding principles mm -hmm. that, that kind of work with most of the deployments uh, that have been really successful kind of across the board that's there. Now, mm -hmm. does it highlight any specific challenges or anything that they, they overcame at different stages? Probably not. Mm -hmm. uh, but what it does do is at least it does highlight sort of the way that we think, and that is the start of the conversation that's there, right? I think that's the big thing to, to keep yeah. in mind. Uh, don't, don't rework your entire org chart immediately. Don't rethink about everything across, but at least start having a dialogue about what those roles really are and how they pertain to your specialists that you currently have on staff, right? Yeah, and that's why I think it's really good is because that's something that companies don't usually do when mm. they install software is think about the philosophy behind it, but they probably should, especially when they're installing it at scale is what is this for? And not just what do we think it's for, but what does the company that designed it think it's for? Um, it doesn't mean those things have to line up one-to-one, -one, but you should at least think about it. Right. Um, if you're going to do something that doesn't line up with those philosophies, you should know that. You should. It doesn't. You don't have to not do it, but you should know that you're not doing it the way it was built. Right. Um, Especially, so, yeah. I mean, when, when on a given desktop, there is competing applications uh, available, mm -hmm. right? You got Excel, you have PowerPoint, you have yeah. all these different different tools that's there. You need to understand specifically where we come from and how it can be used and of course the benefits that it can really bring. Mm -hmm. Okay, so 
Um, that was a good discussion of the drive methodology. And I think that will inform our next kind of section, but um, I kind of want to change gears a little bit here. So um, we've been talking about those stages, one through four. Mm -hmm. The transition between two and three, I think, is really important. And so that's kind of why we've been focusing on that with the drive methodology. But when we get to that stage four, stage four being enterprise or organization-wide implementation of Tableau, there are just... I think core differences between Tableau's design and customer expectations sometimes. Mm -hmm. And either that means they're going to do a cultural shift between kind of how they've traditionally implemented technology and how they use Tableau, or they're going to struggle a little bit. That doesn't mean they're not going to be successful or they're not going to um, implement at all. But there's just some points that I think are notable that we should discuss a little bit around what are things customers struggle with when they go that way? What are some things you can think of? Well, I think from sort of that transition level, we're typically talking about when a company goes from uh, goes into server or, or really, I think, when we think about three and four, it's uh, moving into a hardware-based model and starting to think you know, across different segments that's, uh, of their organization that they want to actually service. Mm-hmm. There's a number of issues that typically arise from the existing environment that we have to tackle. And, um, you know, these highlight maybe, of course, the things that, you know, Tableau has a tougher time transitioning into, but ends up being, uh, you know, some of the things that are worthwhile to kind of discuss and work through as, mm-hmm. as a part of the process. Um, just a wider audience level means that of course the the content and data itself ends up being a lot more sensitive and the way i I kind of think about uh sort of the the problem there is um you're opening it up to more desktop developers at that point yeah so logically uh you're taking what might be tens or fewer uh Mm -hmm. tableau users and you're proliferating amongst many many people Logically, that's going to mean they're going to have more questions. They're going to have more subjects that they want to delve into. Mm -hmm. And that means more data, Uh, both more uh, data depth, uh, more rows of data, more Mm -hmm. lines of data, but also more data sources. Uh, You got marketing people asking questions and you also got sales people asking questions. Mm -hmm. And those, those different... Yeah. Uh, data sets are usually kept in different systems or not right. usually but often often um, so there there's issues of basically once you knock down a wall people start seeing silos right mm-hmm. um, beyond that though I, I think that we start to see other issues really highlighted at that scale things like for example uh, compliance issues that really start to kind of arise so I deal with healthcare and education and there's simply some segments of the data that Hey, if we start opening up the same platform to more than you know the, the select group of users, mm-hmm. uh, what happens to the data security and the, the compliance that needs to occur uh, that govern basically that type of data um, in our environment? Okay. To the same degree, I think uh, authentication ends up kind of falling into the same belt, where traditionally, hey, if uh, organization worked well having these different silos for authenticating their users in different AD forest and domains and things like that, all of a sudden it becomes an issue because now you're having a platform where the intent is to share things across the board and you need to, of course, break down those environmental walls uh, in order to do so. Yeah. 
Um, so those are, I think, three or four pretty important ones. Data, uh, data quality, data disparity mm-hmm. as one. Um, security is number two. Maybe to c- compliance, I think, kind of somewhat related to security, yeah. but it could be sort of a different uh, animal. And then authentication. So let's kind of go through those. Uh, so data, um, data being in different systems, data being maybe not clean and ready for analysis. Um, what are some challenges that customers encounter when they start to see that? So the first thing I think that most people expect is that the data set that they'd be reaching out to, regardless of what subject area it might involve, even if they start to span across subject areas that they've never delved into, mm-hmm. their experience or their expectation is that it should be exactly the same as what they've been doing before. Um, so. I should have no problem joining data across the board that's there. I should have no problem working with granularity of data in the way that I think about it mm-hmm. across the board. I should expect that the data updates uh, that occur within the different systems occur at the same time and the data clean, clean, uh, cleanliness across the boards are easily tied out, right? Yep. And so there's a lot of those issues that come up where uh, the first moment that somebody gets access to both data sources, it's a, it's a revelation for them how kind of broken things are. Yeah, so sometimes I think the challenge is just uh, a kind of a mental hurdle where mm-hmm. people, you know, I've, I had this challenge before when I worked with Excel primarily in a previous job is I'd, I'd think about a problem I wanted to solve or an analytic question I had, and I'd be like, okay, I know how to do that. And then I'd get the data sets and I wouldn't see a way to combine them. And I'd be like, okay, I guess I can't do that, right? Um, and I think that comes up with Tableau and people are used to thinking that way um, because they've tried it in other tools or they encounter it and they kind of have that sort of pushback, give up point. And so they think, well, we can't use Tableau then. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do we how do we overcome that? So it's it's interesting because I think this is one of those areas where, by comparison to even other tools, we have a very different strategy about how we uh, attempt this. Mm-hmm. Uh, data environments are messy. I mean, I think that's something that we've just kind of admitted to, uh, and that they are actually best left to the right types of strategies, data warehousing, data mart strategies, mm-hmm. uh, the, the right tools, like the ETL tools that are actually out there or the different database technologies that can serve as storage and query uh, engines for uh, the sources that we need to, that those different areas end up being the best route for tackling those issues that's there. So the idea for us really focusing and specializing in specifically the BI and visualization space is something a little bit different for I think everybody else that's there. But mm-hmm. with that, one of the big things that we tend to encourage is to say, go back to your data, see how you can fix it, develop the right process, and then develop from there. We can, of course, develop, of course, the right strategy of how to visualize and analyze that information mm-hmm. once we've consolidated the right approach. Yeah, so sometimes the challenge you have to overcome is just the desire to try. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, people thinking they they can't do analytics until their data is perfectly formatted and um, it's a, it's it, a, it never will be. Yeah. Right. And um, and but we, we I think we need to encourage them to try in a way that kind of in, assures them that Tableau won't make it worse. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Um, it's read-only, you know, it, it'll show you what is there. It, in fact, sometimes helps you see problems with the data set. Um, those are things where just philosophically we have to get a customer to try something. Yeah. I mean, demo-wise, I tend to emphasize that mm -hmm. a whole lot more, I think, these days mm -hmm. than ever before, where, you know, hey, you can look at the underlying data, you can make change, or you can recommend changes based off of this. You can't ever corrupt the data. You can't mm -hmm. ever actually alter the information that's there. So yeah. that idea of a sandbox actually ends up being really important to this process and where I think some organizations just aren't there yet as just being mature enough to have that type uh, that conversation that's there, right? So they rather kind of hide some of that issue as opposed to actually having a you know an honest conversation about how to fix it. Um, yeah, another thing that you brought up was the difference between Tableau's approach and maybe other platforms. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it reminded me of the earnings call that we did uh, most recently. And I, we don't talk about earnings intentionally on this show very much, but um, uh, someone asked Christian about some competing technologies that are entering the space. Um, and he said, there, there will always be companies in BI that are platform specific. So they kind of build everything around a certain platform. Uh, a platform might be Salesforce or Amazon or Microsoft, right? Where it works really, really well as long as all the connecting technologies are within the same platform. Um, and those those will always exist and always, I don't know if they'll always compete with Tableau, but they'll always have some part of the market because uh, for companies that spend 90% of the time within that platform, it makes sense for them to use those tools. Right. Uh, but a lot of companies, a majority of companies have uh, data in lots and lots of different platforms. And our strategy is to address that. Right. And it's a harder strategy um, with probably more opportunity um, than platform specific mm -hmm. technologies. Um, so I think that's an important distinction. And it's one of the reasons why data quality and disparity issues can appear challenging in Tableau is because you're looking across platforms. Right. Um, the other thing that we do that I'm sure other BI companies do, but I think it's especially important with us is partner with vendors that specialize in that data quality mm. world. Um, so that's another thing that we do to kind of help answer our customer concerns around that. Right. I think this is uh, what you'll see is is there's a theme in kind of these running concerns, which is that um, Tableau doesn't fix a lot of these problems, um, and it doesn't make them worse. It mm -hmm. just kind of is. It's very agnostic to other data issues, and for better or for worse, that is that is how. Um, that is our strategy and philosophy around mm -hmm. data. So, I mean, if you go down the list and you look at security, I think that's a that's yeah. another area where that's very, um, very relevant. Is Tableau can't replace bad data security. It can't. Uh, it can't. We've actually decided to not do things like encryption at rest in our extract engine, and maybe we right. will someday. But we've prioritized uh, performance and usability over specific use case based security parameters saying mm -hmm. um, if you have those rules in your organization you probably already have tools to fix them right 
And the whole idea behind this, the whole philosophy is that we know we can't be a tool that does everything out there in the world. I think mm -hmm. this is how we've seen other technologies stagger and uh, be Well, stunted. most BI tools yeah. are part of a big technology stack yeah. that includes middleware and security and database right. and all these other things, network and yeah. web server and all these other pieces and tableau is really for data yeah and so there's a there's kind of a fundamental difference between yeah. those tools um but when you are piloting through all of this mm -hmm. you are thinking about you should be thinking about your implementation as your entire data environment where tableau is a piece that's there mm -hmm. um and that's one of the big things that i think about with all these different challenges to come across yes they might seem like they are tableau doesn't really fix these issues across the board but at the same time you have the technologies at hand. If not, you can actually replace the part that is yeah. actually with it, with probably a best in breed, uh, with something that will actually fix the issue and resolve it uh, much exactly. further than yeah. any full stack. The, um, the, the thing I was saying before about how it's sort of a higher risk, higher reward play for us to not be platform specific, mm -hmm. it's actually, that makes it lower risk for our customers because yeah. If we don't work, they can replace us with something else, and they don't have to replace the the entire stack, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's very important to our methodology and our approach. Uh, that's why our drive methodology works is because a Tableau expert is central to it, and all the other pieces should just plug in. But but it is interesting. I mean, even when we go back to uh, that first question about data quality, data yeah. access, and disparate data sources. Our typical strategy when, when it comes down to it is really you still stick the analyst on the new data, see what learnings they can find, try to cultivate that data, and then leverage things like the, the platform aspects of our tool like data server or other things in order to share that those findings further out. It does start with basically a full understanding of, or excuse me, uh, at least an understanding of what we're dealing with. And then, of course, spreading out that exploration aspect to more and more users that's there. There's never this concept of data perfection that we're trying mm -hmm. to achieve at this point. Yeah, and that's, um, that's something that I think we continually have to remind our customers is not, it's not a reasonable mm -hmm. goal. I mean, there's, there's no such thing as perfect data, at least at scale. There's no such thing as perfectly organized data. I'm, I'm thinking to a problem that I actually worked on uh, just on Friday, where people started off with a time frame for when classrooms were used, and of course, trying to understand what that might look in different snapshots that's there. So when different questions arise, you will actually start to develop new data structures in order to really develop that. And the, the, the big fallacy that I typically still keep on hearing is that we can pre-architect all that because a you're either wasting a lot of effort as well as a lot of you know hardware resource and things like that in order to try to pre-architect and wait until it gets used or you actually go ahead and try to develop it as a part of this process and you allow for that conversation to work by actually letting people start working with their data and run into walls yeah um i think that's that's a pretty good illustration of this kind of common um, thread that goes on with Tableau and, and other tools as well is whether or not they're enterprise, mm -hmm. right? So the challenge you just described of, you know, whether or not you put the data organization front first or whether or not you 
or the analytics first or something else um, is kind of a conversation about whether a tool is built to prescribe and aid a certain methodology or certain approach toward analytics. Um, and we, we go over this every time we do a company meeting or a training or something, we go over all the new enterprise features for Tableau and we have the question of, is Tableau enterprise? And that's something our, our competitors say is Tableau is not enterprise. And the fact is, Nothing is enterprise because enterprise isn't a thing. It's just, it depends on the company and it depends on the need of the customer. And uh, we'll always add features, but we'll never really be enterprise because it's not about whether there is a toolkit that applies to every company. That's that probably not a real thing. That's probably the most Zen thing that I've heard from out of your mouth for, for a while now. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll try to end enterprise. Every with some Zen. Um, I just, I just don't. I think it's one of those buzzwords that it is. gets used in business to justify or de-justify things, but it's not really a thing because every company is different. Um, so I guess if someone asks if Tableau is enterprise, what they're really asking is Tableau right for my company, and mm -hmm. the answer to that might be yes and it might be no. Right? right. It kind of depends on the situation. Um, you know, we also mentioned compliance, uh, the different protocols that are out there for data and um, things like HIPAA and SCC and federal requirements around things and just reasons why data or documentation or reporting has to be listed or protected in a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. I mean, it, it follows kind of the same standards we were talking about here before, which is, you know, um, it's really about uh, kind of what your need is as, right. as a organization and um, Tableau doesn't help or inhibit those things. No. It just, it just kind of, it just is to be Zen. About it. If that's what you want to say, then that's what I'll do. Uh, no, I mean, it, it is one of those big things where I think people have to be comfortable with, Hey, if you have a current data strategy for it, it's great. Uh, if you don't have a data strategy to deal with those problems, then yeah, this isn't going to necessarily solve that issue mm -hmm. that's there. Um, I, I think what we do focus on is just giving more access that's there. So in the, the issue of compliance, for example, um, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. And I think a lot of people walk into BI expecting that uh, with, you know, obviously disappointment at the end. Um, and the, the whole idea there is I, I keep on hearing, of course, with folks uh, that their whole strategy is to just grow and open up data access to more and more people, regardless of the data that's there. Mm. Um, and that's not true. And we can't expect technology to just be able to be smart enough to inhibit the right levels at the right time. I think it requires some critical thought that's there. The, the one thing I keep on thinking back to on that issue is that uh, going with Tableau doesn't mean that you just data warehouse your entire company. Uh, you still use data marts. You have to think about where it makes sense to draw walls uh, and then where it makes sense to start knocking things down there. Yeah, and, um, and at the same time, we also have to improve. You know, the, the software has to improve. I mean, one of the things 
in, in related to in relation to data marts and security that we were talking about last week was our way of doing row and column level security has to improve uh, for some customers. Uh, the fact that we need to explode a data set out to yep. do true row level security for large groups of users is not a great scalable solution when you get into really large use cases. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to continue to innovate and find solutions to these problems. Yeah. Um, the the misnomer, I think, is not whether or not there's a short shortcoming in any certain technology. It's just that the the idea that any crucial project can wait until technology is there that solves all the problems around it. Right. Um, the process of, and this is something we say again and again in this tableau, is that the journey of going from having a question about data to getting an answer is more important than any specific technology that, that gets in there. And mm -hmm. it will change and it will continue to be a cycle as, as long as businesses exist. I mean, I, I think that really pertains specifically to even challenges that we hear about with monitoring and auditing. That's there. Mm -hmm. It's an area I think that we, we've been improving actually pretty well in the last year or so um, with more tools, uh, better views and things like that. But there's always just that one extra question that comes up. Um, yep. We have open access, but in reality, I, I don't think you can ever pre-program every question that's out there. Um, and, you know, that's just the matter of fact of basically how, how technologies are spread across different tools. Yep. Um, as well as, of course, just thinking about basically, uh, well, really the, yeah, how, wh what level do we really want to automate with tools as well as finally actually think about manually um, conditioning, uh, manually programming as a part of the, the, the tool right. type that's there. Yeah, that's always a challenge. And I think what will happen is not that um, you'll be able to automate everything or that the um, tools for asking questions will entirely go to non-technical users. I think it'll sort of be mm -hmm. a mix where um, people can answer questions faster and the questions that don't need to be answered won't be done by people. Mm -hmm. um, but there will always be questions that people need to have answered. And they'll probably become more and more advanced as technology improves. Yeah. And, um, and they'll be able to answer them more easily. So a little sidetrack, but um, one question that comes to mind is that I think there's always a little bit of assumption that, um, well, Tableau doesn't do things like financial reports or pixel perfect, and therefore it cannot approach some of the more complex analysis is if it doesn't do this one thing well. Um, any thoughts around that? No, I'm going off base a little bit, but. Um, I mean, it's another challenge that I think customers have when they get to this stage four, because when you're expanding Tableau to an organization, you're thinking about all those other use cases. Mm -hmm. So you're like, well, we use this for our sales analysis right now and it works really well. I wonder if we could also use it in finance. And when you send it to the finance guys, they say, no, because we got to use Excel or we got to use this other program to make a very specific looking report and it's got to be organized like this. So we can't really do it there. And that becomes an objection or a, or a problem uh, when we're trying to go to a larger implementation. I think um, 
can we um, it, again? It's the same. It's the same thing if you go back to the drive methodology right. and you look at the um, the fact that it, it's not about fitting Tableau into a bucket. It's about yeah. finding the bucket that Tableau fits into. Right. Um, and it, can, go ahead. I, I think part of that is sort of our strategy where we the whole live connect strategy. So to kind of tie it to something that seems unrelated. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that we can connect to the same source doesn't mean that we have to ingest data in. We don't have to now conform and do all the jobs. Mm -hmm. We can do the jobs that we're good at and expect the same results given that, of course, uh, you know, people who are responsible are going to be looking across the board. It's the same source at the end mm -hmm. of the day, right? So there's no new rows of data, old rows of data. We can all actually manage it across the board that's there. I, I find that being some, somewhat lost on some folks across yeah. the board it's uh you know people still think i think the the whole stack uh mentality uh with all that yeah um one of the things that i've noticed customers asking for more over the last few months is solution documents Ooh. um and i think it's it's not so much a trend in Business requirements. So before you go there, yeah. um, describe solution documents because yeah. I, I, I don't deal with this as so much. So solution document is kind of like they're gonna they're doing a project around analytics, right? Mm -hmm. And they want from the vendor a document that outlines how it's going to work in all the scenarios. Um, we want to so one company it was we want to expose reporting to an external audience. So mm -hmm. it was, okay, how are we going to serve up these things from the external audience? How are they going to authenticate themselves? How are we going to build reports? How is it going to integrate with our security hierarchy? Um, and then also, what is the implementation plan going to look like? Who's going to come on site and work with us? Uh, how much time is it going to take? How much training are we going to need? It's an all-encompassing document that walks through from start to finish what's going to take place, and then they're going to be done. Mm -hmm. right? And at another company I was talking to last week, it was, okay, well, we want to do a certain sort of kind of file system uh, methodology where we save uh, images to a certain web-based file system and we want to give these people access to data, but we want to have a strategy for transforming the data and making it easier for them to use. And the document that they are asking for is all-encompassing, all of these different use cases, not just from a Tableau perspective, but what other technologies are going to be involved? Hmm. Uh, who's going to do it? Uh, is it going to involve them hiring services? Is it going to involve them doing itself? How long is it going to take? Mm -hmm. So the reason I thought that was relevant is kind of related to your kind of comment about platform methodologies and, mm -hmm. and data sources, because um, I think it's. I think that is kind of emblematic of that organizational wide um, right. endeavor. Is there, there has to be a respect for all these different technologies that exist there. We have to, again, have the maturity and expertise to be able to show people our way mm -hmm. of doing that. But we also have to be able to push them toward a more flexible way of thinking, um, and and it it because the assumption when you're asking for a document like that is very linear right right it's it's about the destination not the journey yep. um so uh, there's all these different challenges you know I, I think we just threw a bunch of shit out there we could we could <laughs> we could talk for another two hours and the fact is um you know we wouldn't we wouldn't cover it adequately but i think all these topics are really important 
because um, that's that's that stage four, right? And that's what is important to Tableau in terms of having success as a company. Mm-hmm. It's not a unique problem to Tableau. I think every technology company that sells to com- sells to businesses is looking mm-hmm. at that spot. Right. Um, but I think we have sort of a unique perspective there. And I think the fact that we are attempting to not go at a market or a vertical or a certain business group, but uh, at everyone who works with data is really ambitious. And uh, I mean, how many times have you been asked, oh, what what vertical do you guys sell to when you're telling someone about your job? Like every single time, right? Um, So it's just... I'm really, I, that's the thing that kind of excites me about our future is just where we're going to go. But it's also something where I think you and I, it's it's where a lot of our pain and our job is because oh, we, yeah. we're interviewing all these challenges. No, I, I think it's just being the, the comfortability of, well, we're, we're, we're a solution that doesn't have a silver bullet, but uh, we know what works well. We, mm-hmm. we, we know that the right approach starts from the individual user being able to work through some of these issues that are there and then just to kind of grow that conversation further. So it's a very interesting take to it. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Not focusing on the macro, but focusing on the micro, right? Um, But if you're you're good at that, then uh, generally speaking, I think you're gonna find some good success behind it because I think your people are gonna be happy. Uh, And then behind the scenes, uh, they're gonna turn out good work um, that's going to excite everybody else there. So yeah. that that's what boils down to, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, we're a company that that's job is to help people see and understand data. That's our methodology. And it's also a descriptive of the diagram I drew while you were talking about the drive methodology. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's So there's a number of different people, and we had the different roles, and I drew pictures of each of them. So let me tell you about the pictures. Okay. okay. So you have the technologist. That's a guy wearing glasses. Okay. You got the data steward. Uh, I think that's also a man, and he's wearing a wizard hat and glasses. Mm. Um, it could be a woman. The great thing about drawing stick figures is it's very easy to make them into a woman because you can just connect like the area between their legs and make it look like they're wearing a dress. Mm. Uh, not to be sexist because women don't have to wear dresses, but it's very easy to tell that you're trying to represent a woman by, by having a dress. Uh, there's the BI platform person, which I didn't really specify their attire, but what I did was I, uh, there were.